morning, everybody. Good to be here with you guys. We are in a series, which Mark just, wherever he, Mark just started for us last week, and uh, it's about the names of Jesus. And so we, we called it, and you shall call his name Jesus. But if you look at the scripture, there are like 200 different names or phrases used to describe the Messiah. To just, and there's one of them, Messiah, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace, all of those things just on and on and on. And so we've picked, we, after a lot of work, narrowed it down to just 12. And so we're going to do that for the next several weeks. Actually, on Christmas Eve, that time we're going to have three identical services. Uh, we're going to do Jesus. That's the time we're going to talk about exactly what the title is. Uh, you'll call his name Jesus. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, what we're going to talk about today is something in Colossians. So if you want to turn there, we're going to be in, in Colossians 1. But this is a, a passage where Paul calls Jesus the firstborn. That's the name that we're going to talk about today, the firstborn. Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. And that idea of firstborn is really important to the Jewish people. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, just coincidentally, I happen to be the firstborn. And uh, my sister sent me a picture of my mom and my grandmother and my two sisters. And uh, apparently, if you're firstborn, you get to choose what you want to wear. Take a look at this. Okay, uh, I'm the one in the orange jacket with white turtleneck and plaid pants. And you, you can't see it right there, but I have white patent leather shoes with buckles on the sides. This is a ride of the firstborn in my home, apparently. Uh, what, one thing, those of you who may be uh, Stranger Things fans, is that you may notice that I look exactly like Will. Um, so just... Bear that in mind. I don't know what that means. Uh, it's in a future episode. Next, it's the third season. Uh, anyway, just I thought that was hilarious. Uh, man, I wore some weird stuff. <laughs> um, I think yeah, I still do. Um, that's what my son right here just told me. <laughs> still do. Last week, Mark talked about this name of Jesus, the Son of Man. And that's something Jesus called himself. Prob- I'm not sure. He probably called him that m- himself more than anything else. Is that... Yeah, he called himself son of man more than anything else. So it's really important for us to understand what he meant by that. And we'll we'll talk a little bit about that today. But this is this idea of being the firstborn and what that means to us. And I think Paul is saying, really Colossians is a lot of this, uh, this letter that he, he, Paul says, it's me and Timothy. We're writing this to you people in, in in this little church. And what we want you to know in this section of this, of this letter that we're writing is you cannot underestimate who Jesus is. You cannot underestimate him. You cannot overestimate him. Either way, okay? Um, I think the way that it came across to me, I think best is that he is the firstborn. He is the, capital T-H-E, the firstborn over all other. And this means a lot to the Jewish people uh, we'll unfold that as we, as we walk further into this. But do not, Paul says, underestimate who Jesus really is. So listen carefully to this passage. It is an amazing passage. Colossians 1, 15, just five verses we're going to look at. Okay. So really try to tune in on this, okay? He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, 
For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in Jesus all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Jesus to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Wow. That is some powerful, very important stuff for us to know. And we're just going to talk about a little bit of it in this idea of the firstborn. And I want to ask you to think about application for yourself as we walk through. At some point, hopefully, as you're interacting with this passage and what Paul's saying to us, there's going to be something that's going to like spark your thought, spark your heart. And I want you to just dive off into that place. Uh, while we may not get the, uh, the idea of the firstborn, uh, because our culture doesn't own that quite the same, uh, regardless of where we are in our spiritual walk, where, wherever we are, when we walk through, when we look at this passage, it's impossible, if it's true, to walk away from it unchanged. If it's true, if what he's saying is true, it should change. This fact, these, this information should change us. So what is it that keeps you and I from worshiping this person who is the firstborn? What is the thing that keeps us from worshiping the firstborn? That's the question I want you to, to dive off into. Wherever it is that you realize, oh my gosh, that is who Jesus is. What is keeping me from worshiping him? Why do I, what else am I worshiping? How do I move into a place where that he is who I'm worshiping? And that will change, our, I believe will change our lives. So three points as we walk through this. Analogy, awareness, and abandon. Analogy, awareness, and abandon. I'm going to start with this idea of analogy. Uh, read verse 15 with me. Just the first part it says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. So uh, Paul wants to create this uh, picture of Jesus as the firstborn. He is, obviously, the one and only Son of God, making him the firstborn, right? That was fairly obvious to them, but he wants to explain something much bigger to them about what it means to be the firstborn. He is, just keep reminding yourself, he is not just firstborn, he is the firstborn. So everyone in that culture, especially the Jewish people that he was writing, to, or many of the people that he was writing to who had Jewish heritage, understood this idea of firstborn and why it was so important. Because the firstborn child, the firstborn son, received uh, all the inheritance and the sovereignty over that inheritance. So even though his other siblings might get some of the resources, he was still over all of that. Okay? So when, he, when Jesus is called the firstborn, that brings up these ideas that we just, the, all of that social structure we don't have. Firstborn might be important, but it doesn't mean automatically that the firstborn receives everything. 
And not only does he receive all the inheritance, everything that the father or the family has put together, but the sovereignty over that. But he wants them to see that, just to get that idea. And then he says, he is the image of the invisible God. Now that's something I think we can understand. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen this guy's son right here, Andy's son, his youngest son. (laughs) It's like a small Andy, right? I mean, it's like you just, if you were just to pump him up, he would be like that. If you've seen my oldest son, that guy, he got a blessing and a curse. He got, he's like a, a, a Three Musketeers bar. Inside, it's really awesome. It's all clear. He's like sensitive and thoughtful and responsible and productive with his life. And on the outside, it's just me. Like you see me like, oh, Taylor, so sorry. You know, but inside, it's all the good stuff, right? That, we understand the idea of someone being in the image. If I wasn't here, something happened to me, I was gone, you could say, oh, there's Taylor. He is like the image of his dad. And Jesus is the physical image of the invisible God. Super important for us to understand that. Uh, uh, he was both 100% God and 100% man. And I'm sure that Mark led us through some of that concept. He is both of those things together. It's really, it's impossible for us to understand that he is both of those things. But he is all of that. There's a passage I want to read to you from John 14, uh, where this comes up with Jesus and his followers. Philip said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father, and it's enough for us. If you just show us the Father, if we can see him, then, then we'll be done. We'll believe. We're, we're in all together. And Jesus said, have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak of my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does his works. Jesus and God are one. There are two parts of the Trinity. Uh, have you ever noticed that there are no carved or stone images of God, of Yahweh? You ever notice that? Not, I mean, there are a lot of you know, images of gods and things like that, but there are no images of God, right? Jesus is the image, the complete image of the true God. I know that some of us grew up in traditions where we have, you know, like I grew up in a Methodist church, so we had a picture of apparently what Jesus looked like in our church. Like, is that really Jesus? I don't know. He looks really good. You know, he's like super handsome. He's got great hair and all that. The Catholic churches, sometimes he's on a cross. Um, the, these things uh, are, are, are not images of God. They're images of Jesus. And Jesus is the image of the, the visible image of the living God. And as we walk through this passage, you'll see there is so much important information about who Jesus is for us within it. 100% God, 100% man, God in the flesh. So we have this powerful analogy, this picture that, that Paul is trying to, pick, to paint for us so we can understand he is the firstborn of all creation. And that will help them understand, and we understand that idea of him being the, the God in the flesh. But he wants to take it up a level, and he wants us to be aware. And that's the second point I want to make. And he wants us to truly be aware of what Jesus, the firstborn, means, because it's more 
again, than what they thought of firstborn and certainly more than what we think of firstborn. He is the firstborn of all creation. And I'm going to, now Paul says, I'm going to tell you all about that. Have you ever been to uh, hear a speaker and someone gets up to introduce the speaker and they just go on and on about who it is that's speaking? All of the, their degrees and their experience and why you should listen to them, you know what I'm talking about? Or the front of a book and you read all the things that a person has written and there's comments about how great a person they are. And by reading that, you're supposed to be interested in what's written in the book or what the person's going to say, Right? Paul is describing who Jesus is to lift him up so that we will see him in a different light, right? Uh, Look at verse 16. For by him, all things were created. Okay, you got to sink your teeth into what he's saying here. Let this go, go deep with you. By Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers, or authorities, all things were created through and for him. So let's talk about just uh, two of, he says, he says uh, these things are created by, for, and through Jesus. I want to talk about by and through for just a minute. See, typically I think, oh wait, I thought God made everything, right? God created them, right? Genesis. That's, that's sort of where we go. How does this sync up? Is this just new information? What's happening here? One thing I think we need to remember, and this is very important, is that there are three parts of who God is. And he is the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, coexistent from eternity. And so what Paul is doing is giving us more information about what that looked like. By and through Jesus, all things were created. I think one way to understand that is Jesus is like the master craftsman of the house. He is the one with the creativity. He's the one who put his mark on all of this stuff. By and through him, all of this stuff, all the things that we see, both spiritual and physical, was created. And then he takes it up another notch. And he says, all of this, Paul says, all of this stuff was not only, not only done by and through him, but for him. I have a tendency in my spiritual life to say, God, thank you for all of these things that you've created, all this beauty, if, and I think nature is a great place to point when we live here. Thank you for all this stuff you created for me to enjoy. I kind of think that. I think the world is here for me to experience good things. And, and, some, and sometimes it's a signpost to God. Let's look up here, see God. I don't know if you're like that, but I tend to think that. What this is doing is sort of turning that, si- that all upside down and saying, you know what? This wasn't created for you, Scott. It wasn't created for you, humans. Those, those are side benefits that we experience. This stuff that we love, this, we'll just talk about nature, the beautiful things that we experience, those things were created for Jesus. They are his. I think the, probably the, one of the first times my family came to Colorado, uh, we have friends who own a big stretch of the uh, Lake Fork or the Gunnison, and I didn't know anything about how important it is or how nice it is to own a part of the Lake Fork of the Gunnison. Now I do. Uh, and so we went and we camped there and we had, you know, private fishing and it was awesome and a beautiful place. I was given permission by the owner of that land, my family, to be on that land and to enjoy it, right? It's his land. It's that guy's, my friend's land. It's not mine, but I got to enjoy it. I can't just go back there. 
in a similar way, all of the things that we enjoy are not for us. We are given, we are given an easement into this place to enjoy what God has made. That's part of what we get to see. But these things, they aren't even primarily to point to him. They are for Jesus. This is elevating who Jesus is. We're supposed to understand from this that Jesus is much higher than we really gather. If all of this, not just created by him and through him, but it is for him. And then Paul goes one more step. And this is the one, if all those things don't kind of blow your mind, this one to me is something that I I have, I I struggle uh, with because I think it's so incredible. Um, It says, in Jesus all things hold together. All, this stuff doesn't just fly apart because Jesus makes it all hold together. I mean, if, for me, if there's anything I want to meditate on, it's that. How, how is it that he, through him all things hold together? Uh, my, my oldest son Taylor took a, a class at the end of his undergraduate. It was on genetics and disease. And uh, to me, I thought, man, I couldn't even like probably read the syllabus to that class. But about a third or half of the way through that, we were with him and we were talking about the class. And we're like, what are you learning? And to me, uh, I think maybe Claire asked him that. She's like, Did you, um, are you like getting discouraged by seeing how all, so many things can go wrong? You know, just the genetic code can get messed up and it can cause so much havoc in, in human beings. But he said, the, what, I feel something completely different as a result of taking the class. He said, to me, it's amazing that everything isn't jacked up. That anything at all holds together. Um, and those of you who have spent enough time with, uh, in science uh, have some glimpse of that. And I'm just going to, I don't want to be abrasive here, but I just want to say something uh, as straightforward as I can. If I was not a Christian, if I had not become a believer at any point in my life and didn't have the truth of the Bible telling me that Jesus is the creator, that God created all things, I would still say, give me something better than random chance creating enough information that can be continually handed down from generation to generation over billions of, just talk about human beings, not all of of everything, not all of life. And that, that information could continue to come up correct, 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 correct. And it's the, the rare abse- exception that it is not correct. Just give me something else. That, that's my I'm not saying you're wrong if you hold on to evolution or want God to have had to use evolution. Okay, fine. Here's where I am. Give me something better. Just give me something better. Random chance does not increase detailed, complex information. <laughs> We all know that. Okay, now I'm going to get off that soapbox. Uh, so, uh, all of creation was by, for, and through Jesus. And as I mentioned, uh, the question I have for you is, what, what is it, if that stuff is true, that we're willing to worship instead of him. And why do we do that? Uh, a friend of mine brought that up in Bible study, uh, men's Bible study on Thursday morning. It just really struck me. If it's true, why do we worship other things at all? How can anything else come in between us and that? How can we be set, setting all of, 
All of that truth aside to be worried about the earthly things, really. So Paul wants us to uh, understand this analogy of Jesus as the firstborn, but he also wants to be awakened to what that really means. And here is just another amazing thing in the passage, and that's this idea of abandon. Though Jesus is all of those things, which I can't even begin to touch on, begin to get us to open our minds to, Jesus abandoned all of that for you. All of that abandoned for you, for me. I mean, that is unbelievable. The, first, the firstborn of creation is so crazy about you that he abandoned everything for you so that you could be reconciled to God. 19, for in him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Jesus he reconciled to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Uh, Governments, nations, Creation, everything is messed up because of sin and is not right. And when it's compared to the God of all creation and to Jesus, his son, the master craftsman, all of those things have been broken. But Jesus is the one who will make it right by abandoning all of his authority, all of his, everything that he has. And then by his death, what it says right there, by his, the blood on the cross, make us right. make it possible for us to be right with him. And I just have uh, a little bit more to share, but part of it is this passage from Philippians 2, which says it a different way. Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself. By becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And therefore God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Uh, Something that strikes me is that when I read all that stuff about what it means for Jesus to be the firstborn, is that I just don't compare with that stuff. I can't be good enough. Even if I think I'm good, even if I think I've done good things in life, I cannot be that good. I can't be in relationship with someone that good, that powerful, that beautiful. But he makes it possible for us to be worthy. He, he makes it possible for us to be reconciled through his blood. It's the same word that's used before. All things were created through him. And down here at the bottom of the, pat, or the, the, bottom of the verses we're reading, he makes it possible through his blood on the cross for us to be reconciled to God. What I'm going to do rather than pray is just close by reading that passage from Colossians one more time. So I'll just ask you to bow your heads and, and I'll read it and just uh, try to let it sink in and ask yourself what is... Uh, Why is it that I'm willing to worship other things? 
Lord, I'm just going to read this, uh, Father, your, your word that you revealed to Paul. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Amen. Y'all have a great afternoon.